<laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Everyone doing all right? Who's having a barbecue this afternoon? We've got to have some barbecue. Is that all the barbecues we're having? Oh, come on. We've got to get it out. Right, here we go. Everyone over to Pete King's house. If you want a barbecue, it's going to be nice. <laughs> yeah, on the balcony. Um, so since January, we've been going through a series in the book of Acts, and we took a, a break over Easter, and then Sean Green from Reading Family Church was with us last week. So we're going to get back into our series on the book of Acts now. And is this going to come up on the screen? We'll just uh, wait for this. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to be reading from verse 32. And just to let you know, it's going to be slightly different today. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to speak for a while, and then we're going to spend some time looking at a special offering, our special offering that is coming up, and I've completely forgotten to write down the date. What's the date of the special offering? 20th. On the 20th. And uh, the reason we wanted to spend some time talking through what we're looking to give to and all the different uh, things that's, uh, that we're going for is because we wanted some time just uh, to be able to pray to pray about the things that we wanted to give into, but also pray what's God saying uh, or putting in your heart in terms of what to give. Um, and we thought it'd just be really helpful for you to have a clear understanding of the things we're going for um, and, and as we pray for God to kind of stir our hearts towards it. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 4. It says this All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed they had any possessions of their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work among them that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed according to anyone who had need. So one of the reasons um, we've, been, we've decided to go through the book of Acts, and can I just say actually, uh, we've, we've got in the lounge, as you go out to get your coffee, we've got a, um, a poster that kind of depicts Acts in a big, nice, colourful, well it's not colourful, but a big picture <laughs> And uh, it's really quite interesting to help you understand the story of Acts in kind of one kind of visual thing. So make sure you spend some time looking at that. The reason we've decided to go through the series, this series in Acts, is because we wanted to find out how the Holy Spirit took a, a ragtag bunch of individuals from all different kind of backgrounds and situations and moulded them into a community that really loved God, that genuinely loved one another and passionately loved the world that Jesus came to save. In the Gospels, we learn from Jesus. We learn a lot from Jesus. And last week, Sean came and spoke to us about um, Jesus' call to his disciples to follow him. And Sean was talking about what it meant to be a follower that actually followed. And I thought, actually, before I talk about our... our, um, scripture today it would be good just to recap some of what he said because his sermon uh, in his sermon we were confronted with some quite hard to swallow challenges from Jesus he said last week to be a follower of Christ means to give up our old way of life 
and live in obedience to him. So the, for, the, for the fishermen, it was literally they dropped their nets and they went and followed him. And for us, it means a radical change in life. This is what I used to be. This is what I used to do. I'm dropping that all for the sake of following Christ. He said to be a follower of Jesus is to count the cost and give it all to him. And, uh, you know, it's costly to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't want us to be people that kind of, you know, like uh, if you go to uh, Twitter, you can follow someone. If you get bored of them, you can unfollow them. But Jesus was calling people to all in. Everything I have, my whole life, I'm giving to you. To be a follower of Jesus means to renounce all. To say, Jesus, I, you know, I used to be my own Lord, but now you are Lord of my life. I give everything I have to you. My ambition, my hopes, my dreams, my family, it all belongs to you. My money, it all belongs to you. Everything I have belongs to you. That is costly. To be a follower of Christ means committing to prayer, to fasting, and to giving. Why, why prayer? It's been great to be talking about prayer this morning and it's amazing to see how God hears our prayers and answers our prayers. Sometimes not in the way we were expecting, but he's always at work among us. Why do we pray? Because we're not dependent on ourselves. We're dependent on him. And by praying, we're saying, God, everything I have, everything I need comes from you. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Jesus knew, how, how did he knew what, know what the Father was doing? By spending time praying, by seeking his face. Why fasting? Fasting is something, it makes me grumpy, I'll be honest with you. I don't like fasting at all. In fact, um, last week, John Greenway, we were in a, we were in a um, elders meeting, and John Greenway said, I think we need to fast together over a couple of things. And my, my, straight, my reply to him was, well, I fasted yesterday, so you could do it on your own. Because <laughs> it makes me grumpy. I don't want to do it. Anyway, I've repented and I've said sorry. So, uh, and he's gone on holiday now. So. Um, but I don't like it. But actually, fasting, we've, we've, when we fast, we're proclaiming with Jesus. Because remember, he did it. He didn't get around this. He did it. And he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He said, my food is to do the will of the Father. And actually, by fasting, it's like we're submitting ourselves to that again and saying, God, this is painful, <laughs> but my sustenance, everything good comes from you, and you are my food. So that's why we do fasting. And what about prayer? Uh, sorry, what about giving? In giving, we're demonstrating that the kind of treasure we care about has got an eternal value. And we give our kind of our treasures that have got some kind of earthly value to him and he makes it into something eternal. When we give, it's like we're severing the ties of dependence. If, you know, so you, you kind of think, actually, I need everything. I need everything I've got. I need everything. I need more of what I've got. But as we give, it's like we're severing the ties and we're less dependent on all of that stuff. It severs the ties of consumerism. Where it's like, there's just a, a craving for this, all this stuff. It's like, no, God, I know I crave it, but I'm giving it to you. It severs the, tie, the, the, the ties to caring about ourselves more than we care about our neighbours. It's 
like saying, no, Jesus, I know I've, I, I feel like I've got all this stuff that I need, but actually these people have actually got needs. And I want to supply their needs. I want to support them. I want to love them with what I have. So that's some of the things that giving does for us. And this is the kind of follower that Jesus wanted. So what interests me about the book of Acts, the book we've been looking at, is that it shows us how the disciples, the followers of Jesus, who heard Jesus speaking, the book of Acts showed us when they heard Jesus, this is how they put it into action. This is what they heard. This is, this is the way you kind of apply Jesus' teachings into their life. And so it's interesting and it's, it's worth watching. You could say the Gospels tell us what it means to be a follower of Christ. And Acts shows us what it means to be a follower of Christ in a tangible, applied kind of example kind of way. You can, you can reduce Jesus' teaching down to three commands. Love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Love your neighbour as yourself. And what's the third one? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And in the book of Acts, we see these commands given by Jesus put into action. It's radical and it's extremely challenging. So this morning, the the scripture we read at the beginning was a, a, a summary of a culture that had developed among those early believers. And here's some of the things we see. I'm sorry, a couple of these are a bit small. They were of one heart and mind. All the believers were of one heart and mind. There was a sense of unity among them. And if you remember a few weeks ago, we had another summary. It was from Acts 2.42. And it's quite similar, although they're different. They're very, some of the things are very similar. So in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted, the, apostles, the, sorry, the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. And there was a sense of unity among the people. It said no one claimed any of their possessions were their own. They shared everything they had. There was no needy people among them. And from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money to the apostles' feet to give to those in need. Again, in Acts 2.42, the other summary I was talking about, it says they they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone in need. So why is Luke, the person who wrote this book of Acts, why does he keep doing these summaries? I think it's because he wants to show us that this is not just a a kind of event that took place. One day the disciples and the believers decided to sell things and give to people in need. Something more profound is happening. A culture has been developed. The people have taken what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbour as yourself, and they've applied it into their lives, and now a culture has developed in which this is the kind of way they behave. Now, some people might look at this and, and think, this looks like communism to me. And uh, I'm not an expert at all. I don't really know anything about communism. I looked at a few definitions of it, and this one was quite, uh, quite a standard one. It says, communism is a theory or a system of social organisation in which all property is owned by the community and each person contributes and, rece- and receives according to their ability 
and their need. And on first glance, you could say, this sounds quite similar. Like, have the, uh, you know, the New Testament Christians got some kind of communism going on? Um, but there are some really key differences that I just want to highlight. First of all, early believers did own their possessions, unlike in communism. And next week we'll hear about um, that and how to kind of look after what God's given you well. Secondly, it's not an imposed system. So communism, it's like you're born in a communist country or under a communist regime, and that's what you're part of. Whereas that's not what happens in the New Testament. It wasn't like people became Christians and and they said, well, that's great, but you need to give us the deeds to your house, you need to give us your car keys, and we'll decide what to do with it. That's not at all what happened. What happened was the Holy Spirit did something to the heart of the believers, and so they cared more about the needs of everyone than they cared about their own needs. And so there was a heart thing going on, which, which just changed the way they acted, and it was a radical culture a different uh, there was a different depth of kindness and care among the church and the third difference between what what the early christians did and communism i think the most important thing is that at the heart of it there was an eternal hope the resurrection hope and uh, the last one of these didn't come up did it here we go sorry here we go it says with great power The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work within them that there were no needy people among them. In other words, right at the heart of this summary was the fact that they had the resurrection hope of Jesus. And as they thought of the the risen, ascended, by the right hand of the Father in heaven, Jesus... It made them think, do you know what? The stuff that I've got is great. It's really, it's helpful to me and it's good. But it's, it's, it's like water to me. I can give it, it can go wherever it needs to go to serve the purpose of, King, of God. Because my hope, my eternal treasure is Christ. Seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And that was in their culture. They didn't care so much about what was going on today. Things were valuable and they had value and they were helpful, but it was all about eternity. I want to stand in front of Jesus and bring him the glory he deserves. This, what we see in Acts, is an example of what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. It's an example of what it means to love your neighbour as yourself. Now in a few weeks time, we're going to get to chapter 6 in Acts And in chapter 6, there's a a huge persecution. And as a result, um, the Christians get scattered. And uh, is it Philip goes to Samaria and people start going off all over the the, um, world. And often people say that the reason that persecution happened was because the church was getting comfortable and God needed to kind of get them out. And I do, you know, I'm just warning you because you're preaching on this I think I do get that and and maybe there was an element of that but actually I I don't want us to despise the time that God gave to those people so that the teachings of Jesus could become a culture among them if if they had just gone straight from the teaching to out the culture wouldn't have developed and so that, that message wouldn't have gone out with something new a new way of living and um, 
Where is it? Yeah, there's a song, and I, can't, I don't know the name of it, but there's two lines in it. Just Ali keeps on playing at home. It says, Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. We don't sing that here, but um, there's a sense in which sometimes God takes time or makes us take time so that what he wants to do and what he wants us to understand really kind of marinates, marinates and, and gels so that, so that that's what we become. We kind of take it on. It's a bit like those of you, you don't have a proper barbecue, do you? You have a gas one. If you get a cold barbecue... You have to get all the coals as close together, then you light it, and you have to just leave it for a little while. If you scatter the coal straight away, it won't be effective because a lot of the coal won't have got caught. It wouldn't be on fire, it won't get hot. If you leave it for too long, then it all burns away and becomes nothing. And actually, um, so, so you have to get it at the right time and then scatter it, and then it's effective. And I think what was happening here was God was keeping the people together for just the right amount of time. And it's like, okay, you've got it. You've caught it. Off we go. And, and actually, maybe even in City Hope, there's a sense where God's going to take us for a time where it's like, no, let's stay together. Let's get it. And then, boom, let's see what happens. And I just, as I was praying, I, I felt this was a kind of prophetic thing, that there are some people here that are just like, God... Come on, let's go. We want to go. The kingdom. Ugh. And God says, no, just wait. Just wait. Because there's some, some of the teaching, which is good, and that's in your pumping around in your veins. But actually, God wants to do something. So it catches among us all. And then when we go, it's like, boom. Let's, let's make, make that uh, what we will. Right. So they scattered and off they went. I just want to read a great quote. This is from the 4th century. I'll read it. It says this, it's from a guy called uh, Bruce Shelley. It says, The Roman emperor, Julian, writing in the 4th century, regretted the progress of Christianity because it pulled people away from the Roman gods. He said, Atheism, i.e. the Christian faith, (laughs) has been um, specifically advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through the care of the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar, and that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well, while those who belong to us look in vain for the help we should render them. Do you know what? Imagine if, if, if... Southwark Council said of City Hope, those Christians, that church over there, they're providing the needs that we should provide. People are looking to City Hope and to the church for the needs that we should be providing. Now, that sounds on one level like, wow, that would be amazing. On another level, it's already happening. Imagine if, if, if the government looked at the church in the UK and said, man, they're doing the stuff that we should be doing. And they insist on preaching just Jesus. Only Jesus, they keep saying. And yet they're providing all the needs of the people. Wouldn't that be incredible? But I do believe it is something that is happening. And and, and what it is, is we've got a different culture 
in the church we're proclaiming something different we've got a, a different eternal hope that we're going for and so the stuff we have is in, you know it's good and it's healthy as long as it's not kind of stopping us from from this culture and I, I feel like actually we need to be looking to ask God would you would you take the restraints off me where my life is about what I can have and what I can own Lord take that off of me stuff is good when it's useful but Lord, let me have an eternal perspective on everything that I have. Amen? If we want to be a church that, of followers that really follow, if we honestly want to take Je- what Jesus taught and put it into action, we need to create a culture that is living for the long term, that has got our mindset on an eternal investment. And I see all, already I see so much of this in City Hope. That's what I love about it. I've been a, a personal benef- benefactor of people being generous. Beneficiary, sorry, not benefactor. Beneficiary of people, uh, amazing generosity. Because people have said, do you know what? This doesn't matter because it's for the kingdom. And, and I know that that happens, but we want to grow in it, don't we? We want to, as a church, we want to grow in that cu- culture. And I believe that this special offering is a kind of statement of intent. I, in one level, I don't care if we get £600 or £60,000. If God changes... You probably wouldn't get new hand dryers, but, <laughs> but I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't care about that. If God changed something of our mentality... Yeah, so if it was like through this giving of our financial kind of what we have, whether that's a little bit or whether that's a lot, God changes our hearts and severs some of those ties that we have. I would prefer that. Through this special offering as a church, we're kind of actively and practically moving to, towards the kind of kindness that we see in Acts chapter 4. With everything I have, I want to serve you, God. And with everything I have, I want to love this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Right. So, here's the bit where it goes a bit, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, We've got four things that we're giving into for our special offering. We've got a gospel outreach fund. Sorry. Can you click that on? All right. We've got a gospel outreach fund, which Claire's going to talk about in a moment. We've got, uh, we want to give to uh, the Ahmedis in um, Kurdistan, and Pete's going to come and talk about that. I'll briefly say something about Catalyst, and then Paul's going to come and talk about Drummond. So, shall we give you a round of applause as you come up, Claire? Have you got a microphone? Microphone. I've got names, I'm not going to talk for ages, don't worry. Dad, look at the seats and take away. Oh, there's a lot there. I'll be short, I'll be short. So, would you like more people in this community to know how much Jesus loves them? Yes. Yes. Would you like greater opportunities to serve people with the power and the passion that comes from the throne room of the King himself? Amen. Would you? Yeah? Would you like to exchange your hard-earned cash for something of much, much, much greater value? Yeah. Yeah. Good, I'm so glad. Three out of three, well done. Okay, that's what the Gustav Outreach Fund is about. Okay, so the Gustav Outreach Fund, that's what it's called, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Um, is um, a pot of money that's going to be used to express God's
Okay, now historically, City Hope has been really, really good at this. So, you know, we've done loads of stuff, haven't we? There's been um, fun days, there's been car washes, there's been light parties, um, there's been uh, um, giveaways, um, there's been football clubs, loads and loads of stuff. And we basically want to continue with that kind of thing, but we don't want um, people's kind of ideas and creativity to be squashed because they think, oh, I want to do this, I've got this idea to bless the community, but I don't have any money to do it. And also, we want all of us, as much as possible, to be involved. We don't really want just ideas to come in so much down from the leadership and then we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We want creativity amongst us because actually we're all on the ground. We're all seeing the needs of our community. Are there one lot of people? Somebody else will know another lot of people, and it's important that we all have this opportunity and that money is not, you know, holding us back really. So we're looking for ideas, uh, whether big or small. Um, if you've got ideas of how you could bless this community, then we'd like to hear about it. Now maybe you see a need. Okay, so maybe it's some. I'm just going to give an example. Maybe you see you know, you've got an elderly neighbour that has a garden that's got really overgrown, and they'd like help you know, doing it up and you need some money to do that. And you're going to gather a group of people and sort out their guards. And maybe it's something like that. So you look around and you see a need. Maybe it's a gift that you've got. So you think, actually, I could run an event doing this. You know, maybe you're, I don't know, a wine taster and you want to have a wine tasting party. Maybe you're a pie and mash maker and you want to have a pie and mash party. It doesn't matter how, you know, highbrow or not so pie and mash is the brow. <laughs> And, uh, but you know, we want lots of different ideas um, that you think you can do. Currently, we don't have a really, really lengthy criteria list. Um, we might do later on if there's loads of ideas, but at the moment we don't. However, there are a few things that we'd like the ideas to include. So one of them is we like to fund things that other people can get involved in. Okay, it's not just one person just doing it, okay? So, for example, if you said to me, Claire, I'm having a barbecue next week, um, just me in my garden, and I've got five friends that are coming um, that aren't Christians. Can you provide the money for the sausages and burgers? I would probably say, you know where I spend this, go and get your burgers and sausages yourself. However, if you said to me, Claire, I'm having a street party, and I've got a load, load of people in City Hope are going to help, we're going to have peeking on the face painting, we're going to have the net DJ. Yeah. Or to Tim and Lee, and depending on how many ideas they are, how much money we have, we'll discuss those together. 
Um, okay, so come to me, you know who I am, similarly if I'm here, but we can point them out another Sunday. Um, I think that's it, but it's all right, just quickly pray. Yeah, yeah. Um, because actually, I could, you know, I could try and this all day. And um, I could come up with loads of different ideas, and we could do a brainstorming session about all the different things we can do. But actually, the thing we really need as a church is for God to continue to soften our hearts for people around us. Yeah, we need Him to help us to see where the needs are and the blessing that we can bring. So I just like to pray for us, for God to do that. Because if He does that, then this is going to be great. It's going to be more than great. It's going to be exciting. Okay, so Father, I thank you so much for your great love for us. We thank you so much for the example that Jesus set, where He looked over Jerusalem and He wept because He knew um, that the people had such needs. He knew the brokenness that was there. And I pray for us, Lord, as a church. Lord, we do thank you for all you've done um, through us and in us historically. But we ask that you would continue to break our hearts for this community. Mm-hmm. Lord, we ask that you would show us um, the needs that are around us. We pray that you would increase our love. Lord, you would increase our faith to see you do something really amazing, to see you kind of build up the ancient walls that people that would be broken would be made healed. People that feel unloved would be know they have the love of the King of Heaven pouring out on them. Jesus, I pray that you would stir us up, remind us of your love, and give us the creativity and the strength and the passion and the finances to do all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Pete. Okay, I'm going to talk about the Edmedis. Um They are a couple who have done what Chris um, was talking about. They've, Lex is a, is a doctor and, um, and Sharo um, was a nurse. Uh, they own their home here. Um, and obviously on those sort of salaries, they're doing quite well. Um, Sharo is from, from the Kurdistan region in, in northern Iraq. Uh, and they felt a call on God to go back. Um, there's a video that, is it going to work? Great, well we'll give that a go and then I'll follow on. Hi everyone, we're the Academies. And for those of you who don't know us, I'm Sharo. I'm Alexis. I'm Elena. I'm Elena. So we were sent out maybe two years ago by City Hope, and we are living in northern Iraq in the Kurdish region. And we moved here as a family because we have a heart to show um, communities that have lost hope, to, show, to bring hope into those communities, and to love people and to show them that God loves them. And we are in the process of registering a UK-based charity called Hope for Communities and also starting a project in um, Kurdistan and displaced communities. So we just want to thank uh, City Hope Church for their generosity and their support. And we're so appreciative of it. And the money that you send to us will go towards the cost of us living here as a family and towards the cost of starting our project. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. So there, there are so many things that we could we could pray for for them, um, but I know we've got a prayer meeting coming on Friday, and we'll talk about the things we can particularly pray for. Um, but but what those guys have done is, is what Chris has been talking about. It's it's giving up everything and saying we're here for the kingdom of God. And um, there are some very very real um, needs for them. In, in, they've given up things that they didn't realise they were going to give up. Um, so obviously a doctor and a nurse, and they've gone over there and they have to prove that they've got GCSEs. Um, 
It's taken, took them about six months to prove they've got GCSEs. One say because they have to drive about two hours to get to an office to find that no one's in today, to turn around and come back, to go back another day and find out that the wrong person's there, and and they've done that back and forward, and then it has to come back to the UK with confirmation that they've got that. So they've given up more than they realise, and it's been a lot harder work. And then they found that they can't just drive the normal route because there's, it's all war torn. So they've got to go. It's going to take them about four hours to get there this time to try and get another document. At the moment, um, Lex's, Lex has almost got a degree and, and Shara's got his A-levels. Um, so that, and then they'll be actually able to do stuff uh, in terms of their medical skills. Um, at the moment, they, they've been, God's, God's opened up a door for them to have a, a building inside an Iranian refugee camp just, just, just around the corner from them. Uh, and so they're saying, well, what can we do? Well, we can teach people English. Um, and they said, well, there's loads of people here in this camp. What, you know, we're going to pray that God provide, that God opens it up. I mean, wonderfully, they've been given the building for a year at no, at no cost. Um, and then they're saying, so what can we do? So they're going to teach people English. But there's so many people. Will any of them sign up or none of them sign up? And they said, well, I reckon we could probably handle 80. Uh, that's what they said to, to God and they, they checked their forms and they had 82 forms <laughs> but upon reflection when they went through the forms, two people had signed up twice <laughs> and they had exactly 80 wow. Wow. Um, God's answering their prayers uh, and, and, they've been, and they feel from God they need to pray really specific prayers and God's answering them uh, and as they do that he's opening doors so obviously they're now teaching, there's 80 people that are, are learning English that have signed up and uh, they're just helping the neediest of the needy. Mm. Um, but they're not without significant needs themselves. Um, they're living off of, obviously not earning, they're living off of, off of the stuff that we're holding in common with them, and other churches are holding in common with them. Mm. Um, and so, so our call is to, can we share with them? Can we partner with them of the abundance that God's given us? Can mm. we join with them and support what they're doing? Amen. There, um, there are other missionary um, organisations out there, and, and as far as I can tell, everyone else that they speak to is coming from, from positions of much more money. Mm. Um, they have constant broken electricity, um, whereas other missionary organisations that are sending people out there, they just buy them a big generator, and then they've got constant electricity. Sharon and Alex have none for most of the time from this... For the summer, they will be looking to come back here, partly because it's Erica's wedding, um, uh, Alexis's sister, um, but also because for the whole summer, it's between 40 and 50 degrees, um, and they have no electricity, no aircon, it's just not livable. Um, and so we'd love to be able to support them in making their, their stay there more permanent all year round. They're also going to need the money to get back for the wedding and and to be refreshed and built up by us, um, as well as all of the work that they're doing in that, in that project. The building that they've been given um, is, is not, in, not in good nick, and there's a whole load of work um, that they're gonna need to do on it. Um, so there's, there's lots of very practical things that our money will go towards, as well as their kids' schooling, to pray, pay for private schooling. Um, it, it's, it's nothing like the cost of private schooling here, but it's money that, that they need. Um, and so, so there's the schooling, there's the project, there's this, just their general living expenses, and particularly this summer, we'll, um, we'd like to be able to help them to get back here for, 
for the sister's wedding to be built up and to be encouraged. Amen. Thank All you. Right? Brilliant. So um, the, the third thing is a catalyst, um, at the catalyst festival, catalyst are holding a um, special offering. Uh, next week, we're going to look at a video about that. I haven't got the information about it at the moment, but it's going to be about what God's doing through Catalyst in the UK and abroad. So we'll find out about that next week. And then Paul. So this building, like Chris reminded us at the prayer meeting um, recently, was planted here by C.H. Spurgeon, the great C.H. Spurgeon. He's one of the posters on the wall. He's over there. If you look at that, it says his reason for putting this building here over 150 years ago was to meet the dire spiritual destitution of this great metropolis. And it's fantastic that ever since then there's been a consistent Christian witness working through this building. Now we know that God doesn't dwell in buildings, but they're also a fantastic resource. So I've been members of churches in the past that don't have buildings, and as a member of this one, it's better to have the resource like this, a focal point, a a community centre. And so we want to maintain this, and we want to upgrade this building. The last major works done on this building was 19 years ago when the lounge and toilets behind were built and the offices upstairs. But um, they need upgrading. The entrance um, here needs some work upgrading. Uh, With flooring, we'd love to put some new floor coverings down and some flooring out into the the other side of the new double doors that we put through there and into the corridor. There's lots lots of things. Chris has already referred to one of the essential needs that this building has, you know, the, the current hand dryers, um, are, it's, you just as well put your hands under the wings of a tropical butterfly <laughs> and let them gently dry your hands as put them those ancient hand dryers. <laughs> but there's lots, there's lots of stuff that needs doing. We'd love to upgrade this room. The, the lounge behind us, which is used more and more and more by hundreds of people in the local community, We'd love to upgrade that experience mm, mm. to make that a fit for purpose, if you like. All those things cost money. As you pray, seek God, how much should I give to this? Every, you know, all these practical things. I, I, I was taught a long time ago to put this in the context of a decision for growth. How much is God leading me to give? That's a decision for growth. For numerical growth for the church, for the, for the advance of the kingdom, for, for the blessing of the wider community. It's a decision. Every, every five pound note is a decision for growth. And if we see that, if we grasp that, and as, as joyful givers, we will see the kingdom advance. And, and as we look at these four things that are on the screen behind me and others, um, God will move in power. So I'm sure we'll hear more about these things in the coming weeks before that offering on the 20th. But I'm going to hand that to us. Amen. Amen. Okay, well that's it. I know there's loads of stuff there that we've talked about. But genuinely, if God does something in our hearts, then that's a win. That's, that's what we really want. And, um, and God will provide every need that we have as a church. God will provide everything Sharo and Lex needs. And it's just, look, God, how do you want to use me in that? That's the question. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for being with us today. 
Lord, I pray for those that are seeking your face and they keep seeking your face and asking you for, for breakthrough in, in, in different areas. I ask that you would just come and just be close to them and know your favour upon them over this week, Lord God. So I, I pray for our plans and hopes for, for this special offering, Lord God. We just commit it to you and say, Lord, we want to be a church that cares more about what you're doing, that our hearts are broken for what breaks yours. And I pray that you do that in us, Lord, and sever the ties where, where it, we care more about ourselves. I pray that you just come and minister to us in your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.